and welcome to Series 2, Episode 7 of The Coriolis Effect, Gruesome Deaths at Dragonmeat. I'm Matthew. And I'm Dave. And I want to welcome you all to the Santa Lucia edition of The Coriolis Effect. So for those of you who aren't Swedish or aren't aware, the 13th of December, which is when we're recording, is uh, a celebration in Sweden called Santa Lucia, which is the... uh, beginning uh, of certainly in my household with my wife and I the beginning of Christmas so it's celebrated with a very early morning quite like 5.30 or 6 in the morning uh, sort of big church service with songs and lots strangely lots of young people walking around with candles on their heads with candles on their heads yeah they have uh, the, 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 the they have one person who's the lead I don't know if she's supposed to represent Santa Lucia or or what exactly? But she's the, the the lead kind of soloist and singer for the uh, for the celebration, and she has a crown with candles on it, which, uh, according to my wife, who used to do this kind of thing when she was a little girl in Sweden, um, is not only a health hazard and a fire hazard, but also you get uh, some candle wax down dripping on... down your face. Yeah, so it's a it's a kinky. It's, it's obviously a trial as well as uh, <laughs> as a celebration, but. The traditional thing is you you drink what's called glurg, which is uh, um, like a mulled wine kind of thing, and you eat peppercocker, which is uh, ginger biscuits, which are the most delicious things on the planet. I'm not a big fan of ginger, but these are the most delicious ginger biscuits. But these have black pepper in, do they? Do do they also have black pepper as well as ginger? The ones that we have don't, so I'm not sure they're actually sort of... I mean, I think they're transla- I, I, the translation I a biscuit, is pepper- which I've never heard pancake. of called pepper cocken, but um, but I I make a biscuit at Christmas time that's got black pepper in. Yes, which I learned off Nigella Lawson. I, I was just thinking they might be the same things, but maybe not. They're probably anyway. Similar, so you eat your pepper cocken, pepper cocker, and um, yeah, and it, it's the start of Christmas. So I just wanted Excellent. to say, even though this episode is going to go out after Santa Lucia, happy Santa Lucia to but- all everybody and uh, all our Swedish listeners who will have been up since five o'clock if they are going to one of these celebrations. But And effectively, this is the Christmas episode as well, so we ought to say Happy Christmas as well to all our Merry listeners. Christmas, everybody. Happy New Year. Hope- uh, Happy New Year! <laughs> yes. We can say this again at the end, shall we? we yeah, I think we should, because, I mean, it's it's the 13th of December. It's quite early in the morning. It's freezing cold outside, and I'm not feeling very Christmassy right now. So give me half an hour and I'll see if I can work up a bit of enthusiasm. <laughs> Warm you up. Get Warm, some Christmas spirit in warming you. Warm me up. Yes. Yes. Uh, but uh, what are we talking about in this episode before we get to the end when we say Happy Christmas? So to warm us up, um, we have obviously some news in the world of gaming. We've got some parcels that arrived that we want to talk about. Oh, yes. A few other bits and bobs. Live audio unboxing. But what? Yeah. I'm, I mean, un- unboxing is just, I mean... I know people like it, but I mean, blimey, how did that ever become a thing? It's so boring. <laughs> um, anyway, we can talk more about that in a moment, but we're going to talk quite a lot about our experiences at Dragon Meet a couple of weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. We have, uh, we'll say a little bit about the tournament that we ran on the day, uh, but we are going to um, edit down the recordings from that over Christmas and we'll issue a Grindbone Slavers tournament podcast probably early in the new year with a bit of luck that'll be a new year's gift to everybody exactly yeah so we'll talk a bit about that and then we had a great opportunity to talk to uh Mateus and nils from free league so 
We recorded an interview mm. with them, which we could talk about. We recorded a, l- a really long interview with them, didn't we? Well, we thought we did. What happened, yes. Matthew? Um, I've got a new recording device. It's great. It's really portable. It worked quite well. The sound quality is not bad. It has a little display on it where the, the levels go up and down as people are talking and I stuff think, like that. I think our listeners can see What it doesn't coming. have on the display, though, is the bit that says that the SD card's full and it's not actually recording. All the lights are on, but, <laughs> but nobody's at home. home. Including you, so uh, we, uh, so uh, we've got some of that. Yeah, we'll so talk, we'll talk a bit. We've got that. the first few minutes of that interview, and then uh, we we had a quick break, and uh, I turned it off, and then turned it back on again. At which point, I realised there was no uh, memory. So we've got the last uh, ten minutes yeah. or twenty minutes. Once we've edited it down, it'll be about ten minutes that you're going to listen to. Yeah. So we'll um we'll talk a little bit about that interview, and we'll play that as well for you. Uh, then you had the the opportunity to have a impromptu players in the hammam with uh, yeah. our friend Remy Fayomi. So we will talk a bit about that and play that interview later on. Really interesting thing um, with some excellent perspectives, I think, from from Remy. Yeah, no, really, for, for this game in particular, I think it was a great chat. Uh, and finally, for today, uh, I've got a Spectral Corsair update, which I will throw in at the very end. So hey, so let's aim for an hour, shall we? Can we get it in under the hour? I think that's episode. unlikely, but let's try. <laughs> no, because we always say right. this, and we always end up at about an hour and a half. Yeah, but let's let's try. Let's really okay. try this time. Right, do sh- you for the hour-long episode? Shut up then, and <laughs> start and start talking about the world of gaming. So our parcels. You're the man who did the unboxing. So tell us all about it. Yes. So. Thank you very much. Now, I was a little bit jealous because you got your parcel a little before I got my parcel. I did, about a you? week before. But I, I, and I don't go into this unboxing thing, so I, I, didn't, nah. I, didn't, I didn't find a, a, a room with a floor and then film the wall for 15 minutes. So, uh... <laughs> it's not just the wall. There's a cardboard box in there as well. There is. And, 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 uh... and there, is, there is a tiny part of all the books and the cards that you then get to see slightly out of focus. So... <laughs> as I wave them in front of the camera. <laughs> well, nearly. In the vague direction of the camera. But anyway, It was a rash job. Having said that, I did... It was a rash did... job. Remember, I am trying desperately to write a, uh, a PhD at this point. So I'm only, uh, I'm only busting your chops. The, on... The Friday before Dragon Me, and um, I thought, well, well, I've got to do an unboxing, but I haven't got time to do one. So the level's all a bit skew-if as well. Anyway, uh, <laughs> if you want to look up those uh, Seek Out Forbidden Land unboxing, and indeed Emissary Lost unboxing on the YouTubes, if you want to um, see me do that, uh, if you haven't already, of course. Um, but but it was great getting those, and it was a little bit tense, wasn't it? Uh, the Kickstarter backers' notifications were, uh, and still are, to be to some degree, uh, getting a little bit tense because some people still haven't got their copies of Forbidden Lands. That does seem to be the case, uh, doesn't it? Most have, uh, but uh, delivery at this particular time of year has proved to be a little overwhelming for Games Quest, the distribution company. Um, uh, and actually, can, I want to rant now. Can I rant? Go on then. Seeing as Christmas, you I'll, see, I'll RPGs let you have a... are slightly a victim of their own success. Back in the day, you would. Uh, uh, well, I was going to say you, you'd write to Greg Stafford at uh, 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 Chaosium and order RuneQuest or whatever. Um, but of course, we didn't. We we lived in England, so we'd write off to Games Workshop. And back in the day, I'm pretty sure that. Um, 
Ian Livingston and Steve Jackson would pick up the game that you'd ordered, stick it in the envelope, you know, write your address on it and give it to the postman and you'd eventually get it. Now, the creators of these games uh, commission, uh, you know, they're, they're selling so many. I don't expect the guys at Free Elegant to have their houses full of their own <laughs> games, but that's how it worked originally. Uh, and, and and now they don't. So now they commission Games Quest. Games Quest commissioned OCS or whatever, who seem to be in for a lot of the stick. Some tracking, the with yeah, our, tracking service. With our international yeah. uh, uh, backers on that one. Uh, uh, OCS commissioned Hermes. Hermes, as we're all aware, is, you know, doesn't particularly treat its drivers terribly well. The drivers are all effectively self-employed. They've all got to get so many jobs in uh, so that they can, you know, pay for the van that Hermes has kindly loaned them the money for, uh, or not in some cases. It's, you know, there's all these chains of people taking profit out of the delivery thing. And, of course, we all expect delivery to be as cheap as possible as well, because, you know, let's face it, you know, there's lots of free delivery options out there. I just... I feel I'm feeling overwhelmed by capitalism at the moment. I think that's my problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and all these people taking a slice of the pie where once upon a time, as I say, it was a bloke who'd made a game. And if you wrote to him and gave him some money, he'd stick it in the envelope and send it to you. And that's gone. And now we've got all this rant over. Sorry. No, that's fine. Rants, rants are okay once in a while if you're given permission in advance, which you were on this occasion. That's fine. I um, did request permission. You yes. did. So I, 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 so, I no, let me, I, I'm going to respond to your rant because okay, um, yeah. I, I agree um, in large part, I think. But I do remember back in the day, uh, you know, it was always allowed 28 days for delivery. So it always going to yeah. take a month. And then it usually took six weeks anyway. Um, and actually with most things, and I think the Kickstarter back, backed, um, Projects are probably a bit different, but with most things, the delivery is going to be pretty swift. You order it, and certainly with some services, you get it the next day. Um, mm. Yeah, you know, you know, less and less so. I mean, Amazon Prime is the one is the example I would use. Um, but in the last couple of years, I think so many people have taken it up that the next day delivery guarantee that you used to get with Amazon Prime, like when I was first a member of it, that doesn't really happen anymore. And that's a bit of an aspiration nowadays, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, whereas it used to be a guarantee, and that was the that was the U- yeah. USP for for having it. Um, I think the difference with the Kickstarter thing is it's all being done in one big go. It's like you know, mm-hmm. it's like everybody's ordered at the same time. So I think yeah. that that changes the dynamic. I mean, having said that, it's quite clear that things things have gone wrong with the Forbidden Lands. Uh, well, and, and not just Forbidden Lands, but with Cult and uh, you know, and some you know. The Indoros of the Darkest Star was a bit late, although not very much, only a couple of weeks. So I think it's, uh, like you say, the the system is so overcomplicated now, and partly because I think they're trying to deliver everything in one go, or pretty much everything yeah. in one go. Um, we had a conversation with Nils and Matthias um, or when we saw them at Dragon Meat about it. It was actually part of the interview, but it's a part it, that we missed out on. Yeah. Because one of the other things, of course, that's worth talking about is a number of people ordered extra player books, uh, extra players' handbooks for Forbidden Lands, and didn't get those in the parcel. No. I think, I mean, and, clearly... And that's not actually Games Quest's fault or mm, uh, any of the distribution line, is it? No, that isn't. But I think what one thing that both... Nils and Matthias were were very open about was that things hadn't gone as well as they should have done on this particular 
uh, Kickstarter across you know across the you know not not only with the Games Quest delivery thing but also the the you know the the admin error or whatever it was that led to those books not being they printed. hadn't ordered enough books <laughs> but yeah. they do seem to have taken that very seriously and and certainly in talking mm. to them they were genuinely you know i think upset for their fans and their customers that it hadn't gone very yeah. well i got a real sense that they were it wasn't just you know they were annoyed because it was bad for free league because it's you know it, it might yes, tarnish yeah. their reputation a little bit they were genuinely pissed off that it hadn't the game hadn't landed on the players doorsteps when they wanted to um and i think they're, they're taking some steps now to rectify that which is good i think holding your hands up when things haven't gone well and saying yes you know the cock up um what can we do to fix it i think you know let's let's give them some credit for recognizing where it's not gone well and doing yeah. what they can to try and rectify it although that if i still hadn't received forbidden lands today i would be a bit I'd be gruntling about it as well as I'm sure yes. those who still haven't got it are feeling a, p- a bit bruised. But um, I, I, I knew right. I think, uh, you know, because now, as you said, with Christmas, it doesn't bode well for any delivery service that you're going to necessarily get anything you, that comes to you now before Christmas. No, although, um, although I do, I, I get really annoyed when delivery companies use the, oh, it's Christmas as an excuse for <laughs> shit service. Because it's not like Christmas has come out of the blue. Kind of look at yes. the, look look at your diary. Same time every year. Look at your diary, and you can see that Christmas tends to land about the twenty fifth of December every year. So plan for it, make a contingency, and I guess a lot of them do. Um, I guess the volumes go up so enormously that it's difficult to to manage that well. But every year you get a chance to practice it and refine your processes. So come on, guys, it's a, don't use it as an excuse for being shit. Use it as an opportunity to be really good. Anyway, that's let's that's talk my, more positively. That's my rant over, and I didn't even ask for permission. So. <laughs> no, you didn't ask for permission. So take take that entire we'll, rant back. We'll edit that out, um, shall we? Yeah, okay. We'll we'll put it in the next episode. <laughs> um, no, uh, but actually, we did then get these fabulous things uh, through the through the door, didn't I mean, we? It um, is it is brilliant. I mean the the Forbidden Lands box and the books and everything that with it. With one exception, which I'll mention, um, are absolutely brilliant. Uh, I love it. The quality is great. The writing is great. It has got that real retro feel. The one thing I am disappointed in, I think the dice are shit. I hate them. <laughs> I hate them. Uh, in 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 what manner do you hate the dice? I just I just, just don't like the design. You know, it's just I don't know. I just don't like it. Similarly, I don't like the the new Coriolis dice either. They're even worse, actually. So anyway, it's a minor point, but I've got plenty of other, yeah. I've got plenty of other dice to roll. I have a bit of a problem with the dice in the way they're packaged because, of course, I bought two sets because I knew that you'd need more than you know. You you've got multiple sets of uh, Mutant Year Zero dice, and they're great. Need... I love those dice. They're yeah. really clean and clear. And anyway, carry on. Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? They're not actually necessarily terribly clear. Uh, with all that decoration on, no. I guess. And that, that chain decoration doesn't particularly, you know, the chain edging, which looks lovely on the books in gold, doesn't particularly add to the dice no. and definitely doesn't add to the clarity of the dice. Certainly not um, for old farts like me, who's, you know, I'm getting on a bit. My eyes don't work as well as they used to, particularly in dark light, which we often play yeah. in a darkened room, particularly if we're away uh, on our weekend away. So... Make them clear. Make them big. 
You know, I'm an old man, <laughs> you know. Yeah, this is a retro game for retro gamers. You know we were all gaming in the early 80s, so yes. give us a dice that we can read now. So we're at least 50 <laughs> years old. Yeah, exactly. Through our bifocals. <laughs> <laughs> if we have them. Oh, well, there's your problem, mate. Through... You haven't got your bifocals, you see. That's your problem. It's no, not the dice's when fault. I, well, no, trouble is, when I get bifocals, I am officially an old man. And I'm going to resist that as long as I possibly can. Even if that means I've got to carry around three sets of glasses and none of them work properly for everything. Anyway. Uh, sadly, uh, after my little turn a couple of weeks ago, I am now on blood thinners and uh, statins. So I am officially an old man now. I am going to have one of those little pill boxes with days of the week on that I put my bloody pills on for the rest of my life. Oh, no. Uh, but you're feeling, uh, you're feeling all right. Yeah, yeah, I'm feeling fine. Excellent. Back to normal. So uh, let's carry on. Uh, Now, I'm interested, though. We got slightly different versions. And what I didn't get the opportunity to do when we bought out both our games to Dragon Meat is actually compare side by side your box to my box. Because you've got the deluxe box, haven't you? I have. So, yes, Um, I'm not sure what's different. Actually, between that and your box. Well, but. I'm not. I must admit, I. It looks to me. I, I'd imagine it was going to come as a. You were going to get a kind of slip cover over the box with the picture of the dragon on, but you've actually got a, an entirely replacement box. But it's not like, you know, a particularly special box. It's just got different artwork on. Yeah, I think. Um, and I quite like my picture of a dragon on my box, mm-hmm. so. Um, I'm kind of glad I didn't go for your option, but yeah. uh, I mean, yours is very nice. You know, I, it, it's a box that's more in keeping with the covers of the books. But yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it's a it's a minor. So there's point, that. Really. Yeah, and we also got um, we also got, of course, Coriolis Emissary Lost campaign we about did. a week later. There seem to be less problems with distributing that with Games Quest, although I did see somebody today complaining their parcels arrived and it's got everything except the actual emissary loss campaign oh no (laughs) (laughs) so something went went a little bit wrong there Mm. but um well i got i got that on the same day that i got my hard copy of yinderos the darkest star come through the door as well in fact in the same postman so I had all these goodies arrive all at the same time. I was, mm, I was nice. spoiled for choice. And then, you know, yeah. not being allowed to read Emissary Lost. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Well, I, I'm so tempted. I think we now are I've now. Got, now I've got the hard copy. I'm so tempted just to read it because it's. <laughs> you, we better play that soon because I will. The temptation will overcome well, me at some point. Actually, that's a, that's a lovely segue because uh, we cannot play it soon. So maybe you should read it. We just won't <laughs> run that campaign, um, and we can't play it soon because uh, in our last episode, you and I were discussing the fact that we couldn't choose between uh, whether you wanted me to run more Coriolis or more Forbidden Lands. Yeah, and so we asked the public in a great referendum. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And it's similar kind of similar kind of result as well, isn't it? So in yeah. A, so in a year's time, I'm going to do a no, vote of no confidence in you because you haven't done <laughs> either of them. Uh, yeah, but I'm going to win that vote. I'm going to win that vote, and, we and can, we're going to carry on and we can, with with a game that nobody wanted to play. <laughs> yeah, that nobody likes and nobody wants to play. And, and we'll hold up the Coriolis Effect podcast as the most shambolic, pathetic 
bunch of muppets <laughs> the world has ever bloody seen. Anyway, I don't want to turn this into a political podcast. Yeah. But what the no, fuck no. are you doing? Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, back back to the poll that our listeners actually had a chance to vote yes. in because not everybody got a chance to vote in the Brexit referendum. Um, who listens to us anyway? <laughs> no, uh, that's true. And we, we put a poll out on Twitter, on, on Facebook and on Google. And it was kind of interesting seeing how the different audience responded. So I got very quick, immediate response from Twitter. Which then, you know, which was, was people responding quicker on there than on either of the other two platforms to begin with. But after day one, actually, you know, that was got that was lost in the Twitter sphere and uh, didn't mm-hmm. didn't yeah. get maybe one or two more votes on day two. G plus did quite well, and that was actually really good fun to watch because that was going up and down, and one was in the lead, and the other was in the lead, and and the one was in the lead, and the other was in the lead, and in the end, the G plus community. I think we got sixty four votes on that. And they were dead even, 50-50. So they were no help at all, frankly, for <laughs> helping us make a decision. You G-pluses, work harder at making your mind up, please. Uh, well, they obviously know, did make their mind up, but half of them made their mind up one way and half of them made their mind up the other, you know. So we can't really yes. we can't really blame our lovely G-plus audience for not giving us a clearer... A clearer mandate okay. for forbidden no, lands. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, it was it was kind of reassuring to see that they like both the things. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that's good. Um, uh, Twitter, I should say, had come out uh, firmly in favour of forbidden lands, but they were only about sixteen votes on that in the end. Uh, we got almost a hundred votes on Facebook, mm-hmm. and uh, in a way, I guess they 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 tilt the argument uh, to to which the game that they chose. And that was Forbidden Lands. Forbidden Lands. So yeah. we're not going to be running Coriolis again um, around our table for at least a few months until we've got a couple of Forbidden Lands adventures under our belts. So maybe I should let you read that book. And particularly mm. because um, Ricard Ancoya said some really nice things about us on Facebook. Did you? Uh, not Facebook, on G+. Did you see that? No. Ah, no. so okay. I... Posted how did I miss that? The unboxing. I don't know how you missed it, actually. Um, let me just see if hmm. I can find it and I'll see what he said. Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, whilst you're finding that, I think, for me, uh, there's real mixed feelings here because I want to play both. And unfortunately, yes. we, don't, we just don't have the time or the bandwidth we don't to, have to that do time. that. No. So I'm really excited that we're going to be playing some more Forbidden Lands because it's brilliant. I'm quite disappointed that we're not going to be playing more Coriolis soon because that's brilliant too. Uh, I'd mentioned uh, in the unboxing video that uh, that we're obviously on the credits page, which is really nice uh, as playtesters, even though we hadn't playtested. And I hypothesised it might be because um, you know uh, Ricard liked her idea for her mam so much he put one in the campaign, and he replied saying, "And yes, your names are." Uh, there due to the hammam and the rules discussions regarding tiered talents and some of your faction talks all good inspiration he said yep. to which i replied thank you <laughs> and he says i could have I, I could have summed it up with because you're awesome smiley face <laughs> excellent so how the, can, yeah. uh, okay how the hell did i miss that i i don't, I don't uh, know i don't know of course you're not i didn't tag you in anywhere there and i don't know whether you you know you saw another unboxing page. You thought you didn't look at my wall anymore. I guess maybe, maybe. <laughs> oh, well, oh well. Well, thank you, Ricard. You're awesome too. Um, <laughs> and once I've, once Matthew's let me read the emissary last, uh, I'll I'll be able to say a bit more about how awesome you are. 
<laughs> yeah. And we'll uh, work out outside this podcast when you're allowed to read that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Fair enough. Right. We um, we were trying to bring this in at under an hour. We've clearly... and Oh, we are... but we've got one more bit, World of Gaming. Can we quickly give a shout out to the Nibiru Kickstarter Nibiru. that's currently running? Yeah. Nibiru, yeah. yeah. Um, we we talked about it a year ago. We interviewed... Uh, um, Federico. Is his name Philippe? Federico. Yeah, Federico, that's yeah. it. Uh uh, last year at Dragon Meet, and just for those who are interested by that, that Kickstarter is running now. It'll still be running when you hear this, so, yeah. so join it if you're interested. They've they've already hit their their um, their pledge, but obviously let's uh, you know get in there and um, you know open up some of those stretch goals. Brilliant! Yeah, cool. let's do that. Dragon Meet now, Dragon Meet. Yes. Oh well, well I had a great time. Um, I think for me. The, it being the second time that we went, not having been before, mm-hmm. you know, last year was the first time I went as a participant in the podcast zone. And um, I felt like I knew what I was doing this time, whereas last time I sort of walked around kind of a bit headless chicken, like not really knowing kind of what to do. Um, knowing a few of the people, feeling a lot more comfortable in that in that space. And it was great, and I I really enjoyed the opportunity to talk to a lot of a lot more people than I did last year. And of course, the thing that really helped with that was the Grindbone tournament. Now we have mentioned, I think, a bit earlier that we're going to do a podcast for that. But I just wanted to say very quickly here and now, thank you to Lars, Paul, Sam, Matthias, AJ, and Ben, Julian, and Peter, Ziz, Nils, Chris. Frank, Joseph, Mike, Anil, and Justine, our players, for making it such a great experience and taking the fortunes, be they good or bad, so well, and with such a smile on their face. Because some of the fortunes were pretty bad, and everyone seemed to <laughs> They did, it. yes. Uh, some some people lasted longer than others. Some people lasted a lot longer than others. Uh, I did just want to, uh, in that name list, uh, Anil, of course, rolled up a character, but of it course. wasn't... He who actually played it. Uh, who, who played it? Have you got her name? Uh, Madonna. Madonna played Madonna. it. Madonna. I don't know. Madonna her, is the name she chose. I don't yeah. know her I real, don't know name. That's her Sorry. real name. But Madonna is no. such a good name, and it seemed to fit her really well. Yes. Uh, so I think um, she'll be Madonna to me from now on. Anyway. <laughs> but yes. yes, good call, good shout, absolutely. Yes. Uh, and uh, yeah, they were great. Uh, they uh, they took it all in good sport. Uh, they I think really enjoyed it and. It was really good fun. I was surprised by how much fun it was. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you were being the main game master. I was kind of helping out with the rules. I wasn't expecting to be as entertained by <laughs> everybody. Doing, I mean, you know, it's a really basic premise. Uh, we also played in uh, a fun game that uh, the Formal Gamer ran. Yes. I'm sure you'll be hearing it on their podcast that as was, well. That was really And good. he always... He always does some fun games that are kind of surreal and funny in their own right. And at the end of the day, all we were doing was a fight. <laughs> the most boring bit of any actual play podcast is the fight. But it was such good fun to witness while we yeah. were there. And I think it'll be really good fun to listen to as well. Yeah, so I hope so. Really, yeah. really want to say thank you to to all our players. Um, I'd like to uh, also... And people who rolled up characters. Yeah, I'd like to say thank you as well to all those people who turned up to watch the final so we actually had a little crowd for the final which is excellent and i'd also like to say um sorry to those people who came along but were too late to get 
into the competition. So we had a number of people come to us who wanted to join in. Uh, I'm really sorry that you we didn't have time and space to get everybody that wanted to play. But come along next year. We'll yeah. do something similar. Maybe not exactly the same, but we'll see. We'll do something next year. So get in earlier and you could be on the yeah. on the tournament, whatever it is, next year. And we ought to say sorry to your brother, Tony, who we kicked out so that we could let... Uh, was it Justine who joined us in Tony's place? It was. I mean, I'd say that we kicked him out. Tony actually volunteered to step out because he was. <laughs> I mean, he is part of the Coriolis Effect yeah. crew. You know, he's in all of yeah. our games. He, uh, you know, he's a... He's, a, he's he, played Forbidden Lands before. He's a nice, so, And he's a really yeah. nice guy. And I, I felt yeah. sorry for him for doing that. But he, he helped out actually running the game, which was really helpful because we were... We'd underestimated how long things would take. And mm. the first, we, we gave we gave 15 minutes per bout. The first bout took 30 minutes. The second bout took 20 minutes. So we were well behind schedule, almost from the start. Yes. <laughs> um, but Tony's help. Well, to be honest, we hadn't underestimated. We'd estimated about the time that it took for the whole thing in the end. But we had to truncate that because we lost an hour off our slot. Remember? That's true. So, yeah. We did think we could get away with truncating it, and actually we were wrong. We couldn't. Well, we, 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 we did it in two and a half hours as opposed to three, but three hours was our original estimate. Yeah. So uh, and I, think, that, I think you did pretty well, Dave. Thank you. But that two and a half hours was a real stretch. It was hard work. Yes. It was pushing it. It was no, you know, no breaks or anything. It was just cracking on. But yeah. it was a team effort, and I think it, were, it would have been impossible to have me to have done it on my own, or I think for you and I to have done it, just the two of us. Having Tony there yeah. as well as part of the team was critical to us succeeding. So yeah, actually, thank you he, very he, much, Tony. He, that was great. Cheers, cheers, brother. Brilliant. Um, and I've got to say that uh, replacing Tony with Justine would he have rolled the dice that Justine rolled? <laughs> no, I think. Well, that's, we won't spoil it. No, but that is one of the, there were there were several highlights from that, and um, uh, Justine's one of Justine's actions is. One of those highlights, but yeah, oh yes, yes, <laughs> but yes. So Dragon Meat uh, was 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 fabulous. Well, I just just wanted to give a quick shout out to Callum as well. I just want to thank him yes, and everybody else on the podcast zone because it was. I I agree with you. I, I'm a bit more of an old hand at Dragon Meat than you are, so I think I felt more comfortable last year and maybe made better use of my time last year. But the podcast zone this year was a. Big improvement on last year, I think. Uh, Callum, yeah. you know, agreed. Learned a lot from the previous year. It was a lot more organised. He he roped uh, more people in and formalised the organisation. And you know, I think that's a lot of work for him beforehand, but it really paid dividends. And the podcast zone was a real pleasure to be part of. So I just want to shout out to Callum, yeah, absolutely, and to Dragon, and to. Um, uh, and to, uh, to somebody else, Cat as well. Yeah, uh, and to Dan. Dan, of um, course. Yeah. And and all our other fellow podcasters. Of course. So uh, I think, I mean, for this year, the podcast zone was moved to a different location. So last year, we were right at the front door. And I think people felt that we were being pushed into a bit of a dark corner and out of the way for this year. But actually, mm-hmm. I think it worked so much better. Because the year before, it was just manic around the podcast zone. There mm-hmm. wasn't enough space. There was people hanging about. Yes, the idea was you got the footfall coming through the door so you could draw people in. But I didn't feel that we really lacked for footfall. We no. we had a lot of good conversations. It was a lot less chaotic. Um, it was, and it's really nice to have people uh, like Paul come and find us. You know, yeah. Um, people knew to look for us, and they came 
and and said hi. So yeah, I've got no problem about the location at no, all. No, me neither. Um, I thought it was and, good. And it, so yeah, and, and as you say, uh, quite apart from the organisation that Callum put in, uh, I think a real benefit was you suggesting that we book a room at the hotel because mm-hmm. then we could um, enjoy the evening. And we had a really great dinner with uh, Nils and uh, Matthias. And uh, I I invited uh, somebody along whose name I've just forgotten. <laughs> Chris. Chris. Chris from uh, from Darker Days Radio, because yeah. he was looking a little bit of a lost soul uh, <laughs> after Dragon Meat. And I said, oh, come and join us. Um, partly because I wanted to pick his brains about Vampire, the fifth edition. But, uh, but we, we had a great dinner and a really good chat. Yeah. And we recorded some of it. <laughs> Yes. Okay. So shall we listen to that? Let's listen to what we've got left. Right, here we are at Wagamama's in Hammersmith on Saturday, the 1st of December, just after Dragon Meat. And we are here with uh, Nils and uh, Matthias from Free League. And Dave here, Matthew, and Chris from... Dark Days Radio, as a... That's a wild, wild. That's a wild card. Well, yeah, yeah, we invite, yeah. I invited uh, Darker Days Radio because I realised uh, I listened to a lot of the podcasts that joined us in the podcast zone, and a lot of them are actual plays. But when I listened to an episode of Darker Days Radio, I thought, hold on, here's a couple of blokes talking about a game they love and interviewing Swedes. So <laughs> these, are, these are our close brothers. Anyway. Uh, so we've invited Chris along. Apparently, because you had nothing to do for dinner either. It was dinner, yeah. great great company and I'm going to learn a lot listening to this so I'll let you carry on so I think, I think the first question I want to ask is a lot has happened in the world of free league and, and Jan Ringen in it this has, last year what, what's Jan Ringen? Yeah. What's it, that? It, what is Jan Ringen? It's, it's some old company that everyone's forgotten about we, you, we, we ah, used right, to be enemies right, right. and now we're frenemies so yeah. I think I just wanted to ask um, what would be your reflections on the last year you know what's what's been the, the kind of the yeah, you're on a journey here. Obviously, you come together. It's been a lot of talks. I mean, we've been in negotiations about this for for like a year or so. Yeah. So it's been a lot of talks. Uh, serious, about, yeah, serious yeah, talks because we've been talking about this since we restarted Jan Ring and mm-hmm. in fourteen, I say, twenty fourteen. Yeah. So, but this last year we had serious discussions, and then those serious discussions turned into negotiations, mm-hmm. and, and you know... Pretty serious negotiations, I mean, yeah, it was yeah, like... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was some tense, like, tense moments in darkened rooms, yeah, with like, lots was, of smoke was, and... Not, not tense, but se- semi-tense, I mean, it was... Yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was good, it was good meetings, and we had lots of... Uh, it, took, it took its time. Yeah. But uh, I think we all uh, realized that we probably needed to do this, so. and we wanted to do it as well. Yeah, m- more of the, the, the latter, I would say. Yes. We, we, we really, really wanted to do this. Uh, we just had to come to some terms that we were both equally equally not liking. Yeah. <laughs> we were equally, equally unhappy with the yeah. deal we yeah. reached. <laughs> well, if only we can get that for Brexit, then I'll be happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, now that's behind us, and I must say that uh, starting working, working together for real has been I would I would call it smooth sailing yeah yeah mm, it's it's effortless as the, yeah. as the song goes yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's a bit of getting to know each other and getting to know I mean uh, you know adjusting how you work and so on but it's it's very it's been easy and it's been positive I mean it's, it's really good yeah. uh, I mean if it would be bad we wouldn't have said so here but <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true <laughs> a lot's gone on this year you've merged 
We've seen uh, all sorts of games come out, from uh, games or supplements come mm. out. Uh, you've even had a hand in Chris's favourite game, Vampire 5, because you guys did the layout for that. What are your plans for the future? Uh, I should say that we don't know yet. Not exactly, because uh, in, in January we hope to be able to have a, a real kickoff where we get together all, all the whole team for like a weekend or something and strategize uh, for the future. Uh, at the moment we are, we are working on products that, you know, that we have already started working on on our separate sites. So what has happened is that primarily, I mean, you have also been working, been helping with some, you are helping with some Fimbrom stuff, but mostly it's me and Martin who has come into to the production team when it's uh, Coriolis, for instance, uh, and some other stuff that's in the pipe. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're doing, uh, I think what... Matthias is dancing around the question because yeah. we can't really say. Yeah. What but <laughs> yeah, we 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 actually going. We we're working on uh, I think at least three three new uh, Rockland games for next year, uh, which we can't speak new about. Brands. New brands. New yeah. brands. New whole brands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Will that be new game engines? No, it, these all of these will be a variation okay. of Year Zero. Right. Okay. Um, so these these have been in production for like two years. So uh, they will be released uh, next year. Some we don't we know, don't know exactly when. Uh, and then we have expansions for for products. So we have the Crusader Kings uh, board game. Oh, we yeah, have yeah. Uh, yeah, we have more. Which is what you wouldn't tell us about last year when we saw you. Yeah, exactly, okay. exactly. And then no, we have there's a pattern here. So yeah, 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 it is. Come on, you're with friends now. You're like, give us a scoop. Give us a cost. So uh, it's a lot. It's um, and we're also doing. Um, more books we're actually doing uh, Francois Baranger's uh, we did a very very nice uh, art book for Call of Cthulhu uh, nice. the, the novel uh, no the novel what do you call it the novel novel is there is a novel called Call of Cthulhu as well as the game yeah, yeah. but this is uh, this is Into a, Dimensions of Madness Short story, short story, short story. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, short story. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's that that text, but with like really, really beautiful uh, large scale paintings, and it's like a big art book. And we did it in Sweden. It's like a really good, uh, nice success. And in France, it's a French guy that made an art. So we're gonna do a Kickstarter on that. In English, in, yeah, English, in translation. Yeah. 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 So it's gonna be um, it's gonna be great, I think. But that's just a pure art book. Uh, so we have lots of different uh, stuff going on, but it's, uh, I mean, it, basically we have a problem finding slots for everything. I mean, we have a little bit of uh, too much stuff going on. Yeah. So this is why you've got to have your strategy meeting in January. Yeah. Yeah, we... we but that's more long term. Yeah, yeah so that's clearly, more long term. Clearly you need, like, you know, advice and guidance from some other community. So, <laughs> so my invite's been lost in the post, <laughs> yeah, I assume. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, uh, I don't I, need, we don't need math. I've got a pet project I want to ask about. <laughs> yeah. I've seen it in your Swedish Swedish language Facebook posts. I have no idea what it is. Yeah. Um, it's October Lambs. Yeah. Gorgeous graphic design on there. Sure. I really like that. Um, it's a, it's a Symbrom graphic designer, Johan Noor. Yeah. Ah, okay. It actually won a prize for best graphic design in uh, last year. And it's, uh, I would agree. I, I think it's probably our most uh, striking graphic design. But that's because it's based on old um, like Russian avant-garde yeah. art. So it's really like a, like a 
Soviet propaganda art from 1920s. Mm. Uh, it is uh, a game. We haven't actually made this game ourselves. We picked it up from an uh, indie game uh, uh, creator. Uh, the same guy that made uh, the White Tack, if you know what that is. White Tack is a really, really minimalistic D&D uh, hack, which is really has like a cult following. Uh, it's really good. Uh, Octoberland is was released like 10 years ago in Swedish and made no splash at all. It's, back then it was written like basically as a book. It was written um, as, no a art, no as a literary okay. text. Yeah. Right, so you right. read it like a novel, uh, which was uh, like a fun experiment, but no one really got it. <laughs> it so then it contacted us like a couple of years ago, wanted to do a second edition. And we thought it would be a fun experiment. So we uh, got this uh, really, really excellent guy, Johan Orr. Um, made uh, the art and it looks I mean it's I I, I didn't was, wasn't personally involved in this project but it, it looks more like an art book than an RPG okay, okay. that yeah. sounds incredibly intriguing when you said like yeah. that Soviet propaganda yeah, yeah, art. so yeah, it's yeah. all these really stark straight lines yeah, really yeah. angular yeah, yeah exactly like that it's modernistic wow. exactly, exactly like that and so it, are we going to see a version of this in English so uh, no because not it, not it, by free league in any case. No, but okay. because it's no, but it's, uh, I have. I mean, it's, it's it's a good game. It's but it's it's like a niche in a niche in a niche in a niche. <laughs> okay, it, it's not it's, a big enough market to go for. No, no, and we don't know if the creator wants it translated. Right, okay. No, but, but it's, and also it's it doesn't use our engine. It uses Fate. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. um, I mean, it, it is a great. I mean, I didn't talk about the setting. The setting is so. Okay. Are you just publishing it then? Well, it's actually we, we published right. it, but we we did uh, did a lot of editing and stuff. But okay. it's not right. our creation. Uh, it, no. it's this guy uh, Christian Mastam is called. It's really uh, really good guy. But um, so uh, the setting is basically some kind of it's not steampunk, but it's it's like a Russian the um, Russian Revolution, but it's mashed up with uh, some fantasy and fiction elements. But it's very much based on. Russia and uh, like Tolstoy and uh, all these Russian literary stuff mixed with this role-playing kind of troops. So you have um, uh, strange creatures out on the taiga. You have this strange metaplot and this strange mm, okay. mist and so on. So it's, a, it's really a evocative setting. It's a really really special. I I like it, but it's 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 a strange beast. <laughs> okay. So so that's. That is something you will not see next year from Free no, League. No, no. I mean, I do, think you, do you want us to list like what what we know is coming from different titles that is announced already? Thing, things things even out. Let's just remind remind our listeners what I'm just going to say the wrong stuff, so I'm not sure. Okay, I I will try this. Yeah, for Simurum. We have part four in the Throne of Thorns. Yeah, Simbar, the mother mother of darkness. Uh, and we also probably will have the Game Master's Guide release later next oh, okay. year. So, so they, are they start doing it right? Are they, are they yeah. maybe? Are they going through Kickstarter or are they... Uh, it, it, the Mother of Darkness, absolutely. Uh, because that's what we've been doing all along with, yeah, the, yeah. The, with a campaign, with Throne of Thorns campaign. So yeah. that maybe the Game Master's guide will be part of that kickstarter okay. somehow or anyway uh, mutant we are right now running a kickstarter for Elysium. yeah so that's one of the reasons why i wanted to list what we know is coming we are currently running a, a kickstarter yeah 
uh, we have. Uh, you have to correct me here, but yeah. we, we did run a, a Kickstarter for things from the flood. Yeah, I hope it will release next year. Most certainly, right? No, yes, yes. yes I mean, absolutely. we will uh, send out the beta before Christmas. Yeah. Oh, right. I'm working with it on this right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm quite yeah, excited about that because yeah. yeah. I, I, I kind of see that that's tales from the from the loop growing up into bit, in, into yeah. Cthulhu-ish. Yeah, it's it's um, more. I mean, the stakes are higher because you can die. I mean, in the first game, we talked about this in the podcast. Yeah. Uh, you were kind of upset that you couldn't die in uh, this loop. But then I did say. But actually, I played Tales of the Loop and I loved it yeah. as, a play, as, a, as, a, as a GM. Yeah. But I love the idea of things from the flood. Yeah. It takes it one level further and you can actually migrate your, your kids from the yeah. first game to into teens and they get all kinds of new problems and, you know, being uh, unhappily in love and, you know, everything. I think for me as a, as a GM, running that kind of game, taking the characters that maybe we had for our Tales of the Loop game into something which is much darker. Yeah. Yeah. For me as a gym, I love that. Yeah. That's great. Might not be great for you guys, we have but to do the, at least can, the other three. Yeah, we can add, add to the Maybe. list of things we are working on. Uh, we are working on other stuff for uh, tales, the tales yeah, yeah, universe, yeah, yeah. but. Yeah. We maybe we haven't announced those yet, and we don't. No, really we have one we have announced, and that's the campaign book, uh, which we're going to release uh, shortly after Things from the Flood. It's going to be okay. yeah, it's going to be yeah. a, a campaign written by Richard Antroya. Uh, okay, cool. cool. Yeah. Speaking about Richard Antroya, we come to Coriolis because one of my next big projects as a as a project lead is the the second part of the Emissary Lost yeah uh, or the sequel to Emissary yeah, Lost well, he's the lead writer which he's is the, yeah and we will start working on that or we have slowly but surely ge- we are gearing up, up yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and we'll start working on for real it's gonna be I would say I would year. say it's gonna be a little bit de- uh, divisive maybe in the family right, okay, okay. <laughs> I won't say anything no no well, I haven't even been allowed to read and we, we should, Lusk because he's running the campaign that uh, I'm playing yeah, yeah, yeah. in so. I'm not saying anything more. <laughs> so but that that's that's what we can say about the brands we already have in play yeah we're also working on uh, a big campaign uh, for Finland uh, which is um, uh, I think I'm allowed to say it's going to be taking place a little bit up north. Ah, okay. uh, but uh, it's going to be like about that. On yeah, the board, yeah, yeah. That's why. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's a really, really uh, cool setting, and it's going to be like a, a new campaign. It's going to be a new map, and it's going to be like a, a whole new uh, way of playing that game. On, but it's so is this a map that sits on top of the map? We've exactly. Got yes, ah, okay. Yes. 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 Uh, maybe. Zone. Maybe. Uh, Nils. Is spoiling here? Okay, no, no, no. <laughs> it's already spoiled. It's already, it's already spoiled. Oh, okay, yeah. So the, uh, then we're safe. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, that's gonna be a big thing. But I'm not sure when you it's gonna be first, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and uh, some small stuff as well, I guess. Are there any more um, board games you got in? Yes, um, but we can't speak about them. <laughs> yeah, just the same as last. Time. <laughs> oh my God, bloody hell. After all this time, you think at least they give us a scoop? You know, you know. yeah. We don't deserve a scoop. I think. I think we do. Uh, it's it's uh, it's it's quite late. It's, it's probably, quite late. It's probably yeah. time to call it off. Twenty past ten. Get yeah. out, going to the beer somewhere. So thank you guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, thank it's you been a pleasure. We've already talked a bit about uh, some of the stuff that was missed out of that interview. So uh, we talked quite a lot about the Kickstarter 
and the delivery problems and the and the missing players handbooks so we've discussed that already but actually you know it's really interesting listening to uh plans for next year uh i'm particularly interested in there seems to be more mutant year zero coming and i thought elysium was going to be the last mutant year zero release so i'm kind of intrigued to see what they come up with there yeah me too i mean there's a lot of mutant year zero stuff uh you know there's been there's been a real pace you know it's relentless almost Mm. in terms of the stuff that's been coming out so it will be interesting to to see where else they they feel they can take that particular franchise as it were yeah but um, again, I want to say thank you to um, Nils and Matthias for being such good company that evening. Uh, we wouldn't. Uh, did they in the end buy you a drink? Because we we wouldn't let them. They they got quite cross. We wouldn't let them buy anything. Uh, then, <laughs> uh, but uh, well, yes. After you uh, you sloped off, uh, uh, the three of us. I'm an old man. I can't stay up past midnight anymore. Well, I, I did get the sense that um, kind of Nils and I were were kind of in having a beer mood. Um, I'm yeah. not sure everybody else was. Um, so we, we ended up in a pub across the road from where we had dinner, and we stayed there for another two or three beers. And then, um, as uh, as Matthias was was wisely advising that it might be time to to to, to give to, to give up and go home, um, I was pressing to have one more beer, which we didn't have. <laughs> and then the following day, uh, Nils texted me saying, "I'm glad we didn't have that beer because I've got a really bad hangover." So, <laughs> why they're they're very wise, very wise, Un- unusual for Swedes who are out on the piss actually, because they normally yeah. they normally drink like madmen. But um, yeah, uh, so we had a bit more of a conversation. Um, they were talking a little bit about a uh, a um, sort of strategy weekend that Free League are planning to have uh, early in the new year, I think. To take forward what they're doing and move move ahead and, and make some decisions about maybe the direction they want to go, which is great. I asked for an invite, fully expecting... You didn't get one. Fully expecting to be told no. Um, <laughs> I was told no. So that's fine. So your expectations were realised. <laughs> exactly. Well, it was a bit of a, a you know, a, a drunken punt, you know. I mean, if they, if, they, <laughs> if they fancied to have a... I said a drunken punt, by the way. A representative yeah. of the audience. If they, if they, <laughs> yeah. If they... <laughs> Uh, (laughs) okay moving very swiftly on Uh, um, (laughs) right um right anyway uh, moving on if they did fancy having a representative of the media there to uh, note down for the record things that they wanted to come out. Um, let me know when it is, and I'll jump on a plane and come right over. I'll be delighted to uh, to be their media. Stooge. Or maybe, maybe, <sighs> maybe after they've they've uh, uh, had all the rows and arguments that they're going to have over this um, this away day that they're planning, and they've they've come out with an agreed way forward. Maybe we can grab an interview with them. Uh, over Skype or something, and and, and see what share yeah. what their plans are. Although, although I would I would like to point out, I've watched on Netflix and Amazon. I'm not sure which one it is. Uh, there's a series of programs called All or Nothing, and the ones mm-hmm. I've watched have been about American football because uh, that's a particular interest of mine. Um, and it's a fly on the wall uh, sort of documentary of charting the season of a particular team. 
So we should have an <laughs> all or nothing free league where I am the fly on the wall <laughs> charting. You're the fly on the wall. Charting what's going on um, and drinking a lot. Give of- up your job. Move to Sweden and just, what, stalk the free league team? <laughs> <laughs> what, more than we already do? Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, as you say, my expectations were were, were gently managed. Um <laughs> But yeah, so I, th- I think the other things we did talk about, we, we did briefly um, have a conversation. I asked a question about how how they felt um, Simba Room as a game and Forbidden Lands as a game would would work um, mm-hmm. under the same company banner. And we had a good conversation about that, which frankly is a bit fuzzy in my head because I'd had a few beers. But there was, I think, you know, the... the, the the basic conclusion was that the two games are actually very, very different. Um, mm, and yes. we've talked many times before about the the differences in setting, the difference in dice mechanic. And I think you could... Um, Matthias was talking about a supplement they're, look, they're looking to work on, which is going to bring out a bit more of the... Um, I, I don't like to use it in this context, but the hex crawl, exploring through the forest kind of elements of the game. Which there are mm. some in that already, uh, but that kind of means if you want to play that kind of hex crawl game, but you love Simba Room and you don't want to transfer to Forbidden Lands to do it, you will be able to do that quite comfortably in in a Simba Room setting. So I think they, expl- yeah. they explained it very well, and and it also gives them the bandwidth to focus a bit more on on really uh, developing that content in a intelligent and exciting way rather than, you know, not having the time or the bandwidth to do it justice. So I think that's, uh, you know, I. some people might think, hmm, two fantasy games in one place like that, inevitably they're going to compete with one another. But I think they are sufficiently different. And I think Free League are quite comfortable with those, with those differences. Yeah. Although it does remind me of uh, a um, an anecdote, which... Uh, I don't know whether you were around for, but I had a chat with Matthias um, earlier in the day and uh, he was behind the uh, Modifia stand selling selling uh, Simba Room and Forbidden Lands uh, to, to all comers. Uh, but he was complaining to me. He said, you know, on the social media, everybody's going about how beautiful Forbidden Lands is. Beautiful, they keep saying. He says, that's not a beautiful game. And he held up Simba Room. This this is a beautiful game. Yeah, that was Ma- says, that was Matthias saying that's that. That's black Nielsen, and white. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, obviously, Niels would probably have a, an entirely different opinion. But you know, Matthias's uh, true love is uh, is Simbroom. He's still Simbroom. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, he wasn't quite digging the fact that the you know the beautiful Martin Grip artwork in Simbroom was uh, well, it wasn't being compared. Let's let's be frank. When people talk about Forbidden Lands being beautiful, they're not talking about. Um, and, uh, the, uh, the the sort of atmospheric painting that goes on in Simba Room. They're talking about it's such a different retro style. Yeah. nostalgia feeling. Now, we also had another interview, uh, which I grabbed you did. later in, or, or earlier in the day. Uh, and I, I think this is really interesting because uh, I happened to walk past a crowd and a guy was showing Coriolis to some other people, the book he'd got. And... Uh, 
I, you know, I leant over in the way that uh, any champion of the game should do, <laughs> barged into their conversation and, and in passing kind of went, that's a really good game. Yes, you should buy that sort of thing and stepped away, but actually then got in a conversation with them. And the guy showing his copy of Coriolis to the others was a guy called Remy Fayomi. And I thought this was a wonderful opportunity to interview him about uh, playing Coriolis for our Players in the Hammam occasional feature. And, and this is the interview. Okay, so we're at Dragon Meat, and here's a Players in the Hammam for you. Uh, Remy, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Remy Fayomi. And I'm a GM. I run Coriolis quite often. I'm also a player. I love Coriolis, the setting. It's a very different space opera. In fact, I knew Free Aligan as a business because of Coriolis, the Coriolis Kickstarter. And what attracted me was the art, the setting, the themes, and also the dice system, because I'm a fan of dice pools. It's yeah. a D6 dice pool. I'm so. a big fan of dice pools too. I do, I'm not a fan of the D20. Um, so, uh, tell us about your campaign, Remy. Well, um, I've run some of the campaigns that they've published. So, mm. the, I've run some of the adventures. The first adventure I ran was about before the dying ship. I think they had another little campaign they gave us during the Kickstarter. Maybe it was a dying ship. So, I've run most mm. of them. Um, I supported the Emissary Lost because, again, there'll be more stories. Yeah. I've run some simple one-shots whereby I just... For example, I actually have my own characters I just created now mm -hmm. because I grew up in a country, I grew up in the north of Nigeria. All right. So the Islamic-themed culture is... I love my friends are engineers, architects. Mm -hmm. So the idea oh, yeah, of having... mix of Islam exactly. and architecture. Yeah. So it was very easy for me to get into it and it's very easy for me to, on the fly, create themes and characters. So it's so natural to me. It's different from me reading a Tolkien-esque novel, which is yeah. not something so from my culture. No, so very, very specifically exactly, Anglo-centric exactly. mythology. So yeah. I have to... I love it, but it's different because it doesn't come as natural. And that's the beautiful thing with Chris. I love science fiction. I love science. I, I love reading all these science magazines. I love Cosmos, especially the new one by Neil deGrasse Tyson. And bringing my background and the culture makes it so easy. So as a GM, I, it makes my job as a GM smooth. Brilliant. But I'm interested about your gaming history. If you came from North Nigeria, when did, when did you start getting into games? Okay, now this is sometimes it's embarrassing because my first gaming system was actually only third edition DND. I've never played first edition, never played second edition. <laughs> I started role playing, you would say, quite late. Well, I mean, everybody's <laughs> got to start somewhere, though, haven't they? <laughs> well, well, when I meet people and say, oh, we've played this game, the, is it Red Box? What is the red box? <laughs> yeah. So, so, third edition D&D. &D. Yes. That was, was that in Nigeria or was that when you came to university? It's or? actually in Nigeria. I played it online. So, my first campaign was Play by Post Eberron because that's the only way we could do it in those days. So, it was Play by Post. Post. So, yeah. I actually worked on the dice roll I had to design with JavaScript online to integrate into the website to roll dice so that everybody, you know, not like people would cheat, but to make the dice obvious. The GM sees what we roll, that you don't change your role, you know, to make it a bit more authentic and we role played. So, that's brilliant. And your fellow players then were from all around the world? Or? Yeah, mostly yeah. Americans, but we had an Australian, so the time zone difference was a challenge. Eight hours behind for me to Australia, yeah. about six hours 
hours ahead. No, six hours behind me for America, eight hours ahead in Australia. So I, I just love the way that, that you know this game brings people together from all around the world. It's great. So uh, let's come back back into uh, the now. Uh, tell me about your crew, the crew that you're GMing for. What are, what, what 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 are they doing? What's their crew concept for a start? Okay, interesting crew. I actually have the crew. I think I have the crew in my bag because. It's an interesting crew because, like I said, the characters are things I can naturally bring out based on my culture. Mm. So I got the first uh, crew who is like the captain, inspired by, of course, Firefly, Malcolm. Malcolm Reynolds, yeah. But uh, I twisted it to fit the Coriolis theme. So I gave him a very simple name because I have friends. Like I said, it's an Islamic setting, so it's easy. So his name is Al-Rahman. He's, uh, he's the captain, so he's a bit like Malcolm Reynolds, but I twisted it a little bit. Because the nice thing with Coriolis, having black characters in the system looks very authentic, because there are a lot of black Muslims, because yeah. of the history of our world. So so easy and natural. And I bring in easy characters. I have a medic. I, and the nice thing with Coriolis, you've got this beautiful uh, concept with mm. the faster than light travel and sublight travel. Yeah. So you've got the first com who actually left early yeah, yeah. in their generation ships yeah. and during their journey their portals were discovered yes. and other people had arrived yes yeah so the Zenithians left early exactly. and, but the first come the first started come, late but, but, but arrived, arrived first yeah yeah, I, so that's the ni- interesting that. thing, yeah. and that allows you to play with concepts. Mm-hmm. So the nice thing is that it brings the idea of the theory of relativity and what happens with the generational ships yeah. and blends it all in. So, and the other thing they introduced us quite nice was a game mechanic whereby you get dice rerolls, but mm-hmm. not just rerolling them, but it's woven into the system through prayers. Yes, and it's part of the whole system and the setting. So it's both a game mechanic and settings fluff. I'm, all woven beautifully. I really love it because, you know, there's there's lots of games out there that have got gods in, but those gods hardly exist. Whereas in in the Third Horizon, you know the gods exist because when you pray to them, good things happen. Exactly. And, and bad things. And <laughs> also the other interesting thing, because in Western cultures, like I said, I grew up in a different place whereby I have friends who are scientists, but also religious. Mm. Western society sometimes doesn't understand that you could be both religious and scientific. My friends who study astronomy, they look at all the beauty of the universe. To them, it doesn't diminish their faith. No. It simply expands into us. Oh, look what we don't yet know. Look what there is to discover. And that's what Coriolis tries to introduce as well. Whereby we've got the spacefaring race, they've got technology, they've got medical technology, and they still have their strong beliefs. So it's a nice... You know, like yeah. an evolution of faith. Yeah, no, I, I really love it for that, for that reason. Can I ask, and again, this might be a bit sensitive, so if you don't want to answer this, I'm just, one of the things that a friend said to me when I was telling them about this, and particularly telling them it was a Swedish game, but with this very sort of Arabian, Middle Eastern feel, my friend said, well, is that not cultural appropriation? Is that... Swedes. Yes, that's an interesting thing. You see, the, the cool thing is that I actually come from a mixed cultural background. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes like getting into these stories about cultural appropriation to explain to people that culture, like one interesting thing, sometimes I like preserving cultures and not even my own. because I talk about world heritage. People don't get that concept. I say, yeah, we're all humans. Yeah. And when I see like some recent things when the Brazilian library that got burned, mm-hmm. I felt terrible because that's just, world heritage and culture. That's why I look at, if you do justice to the culture because you research, that's Mm. the whole thing. It's not appropriation if you research Mm. and 
expose the themes and the culture. It becomes appropriation when you do it for selfish reasons. Now, businesses are there to make money, but it's ethical business. And it's a very popular thing nowadays. People thought, oh, if you're in business, you don't need to be ethical. That's not true. Yes, you can. And that's the thing. So the fact that a Swedish company took time to invest, Mm. and I think they treated the cultures quite nicely and not just that they brought one thing that we sometimes miss in western cultures and to me that's very important the fact that you can be a modern scientist and still be religious religious. does not diminish your religion nor does it diminish your ability to be a scientist and study science yeah that's great um, so you're playing tonight? Yes. Obviously your players aren't going to listen to this until no. after you've played it. So I'm just really curious about the adventure you've got planned for tonight. Well, it's the characters I've created. So I create these characters. I'm a GM who doesn't like my players to die in the game. But if they do, <laughs> I've got backup characters. So I usually run at conventions one shots with the same characters to weave a story. Right. So those who follow my games would see that that story, story developing, be developing over, time. over yeah. time. So that's what I do. Okay. And you're not going to give me any clues about what's happening in the adventure? Well, <laughs> Cornelius has a dark side. So oh, yeah. Yes. Which is why the prayers come in handy. And the players will get challenged and uh, we'll see how the team works because I especially made the crew a mixed crew. Mm. So we've got the first come and we've got the Zenithians. And I added some interesting aspects. I have a biosculpted character there. Oh, right, yeah. And I have a character there who does not like biosculpted as well. Uh-huh. But he's an important member of the team. Yeah. So, so I want to get on. Exactly. In so there. this is why I added that as well. So that's a nice thing, because It has these little things whereby they're not afraid to discuss prejudice, no. which does exist. But oh, again, yeah. if you do it in a matured way, because I, like I said, I face a lot of prejudice. So I'm yeah. one of the people who... I don't cry over it in the sense that, look, you move on and you learn. And that's part of the experience in life. You meet good people, meet people who are not so good, but you learn from each experience. Yeah. That was a really interesting conversation. It was great to catch uh, you know, someone like Remy in a place like Dragon Meat. That's what it's for, isn't it? You know, Dragon Meat is a great mm. place for people to meet new people who all have you know, similar passions. And it was lovely to, to hear him talk about... Uh, Oh, you know his his love for the game and all the things that we love about the game as well. But the one thing I just wanted to to to, to pull out was talking about cultural appropriation. Um, yeah, I I get a bit annoyed annoyed when people talk when people accuse others of cultural appropriation because you know no you know I kind of you know people don't own your culture. Your culture is something that is kind of projected. And if somebody else likes your culture and wants to take things from it that they they love or they value or they're interested in and want to explore, then I think you should be happy about that. That should be something that is really positive because there isn't enough of that. You know, in in what, you know, falling into a bit of a political soapbox again, but in our multicultural society where there's such diversity, the thing that we don't have enough of is people really investing in other people's culture. And I think, you know, making someone potentially feel or run the risk of making somebody feel bad about wanting to look into invest uh take up parts of somebody else's culture is a really bad thing and we shouldn't shouldn't allow it i do take the point that you might get some people who are you know doing it for a very commercial um not very ethical reason they want to take someone's 
cultural success, say, and turn it into a money spinner for themselves. Um, but I don't think those rare occasions should be used to put even the slightest bit of feeling out there in the zeitgeist that somebody shouldn't embrace somebody else's culture completely wholeheartedly and openly and enthusiastically if they want to, um, for fear of being accused of being a cultural appropriationist, if that's a word. Yeah, yeah. And, and I thought, you know, Remy said much the same yeah. in a way, didn't he? Yes, absolutely, um, yeah. Uh, you know, but it, it is it is a thing that uh, Coriolis has been accused of, and I think there is a thing about uh, the sen- as Remy said, the sort of sensitivity around it. If you know, if if somebody had taken uh, Arabic culture as as a setting as an element of their setting and made them exclusively the bad guys, that's probably cultural appropriation. You know, that's probably not treating the culture with the respect it deserves. I wouldn't even say I don't know. I- I disagree. I don't think that's cultural appropriation at all. I think that's just bigotry. And so they're different things. So you're not yeah. appropriating someone's culture there. You're basically saying, see those guys over there in the in the kaftans and the and the hoods? They're bad guys, all of them. And that's bigotry, yeah. not cultural appropriation, I think. Fair point. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, what you know, the beauty of this is... Uh, I mean, particularly Remy's story is, you know, fascinating. As somebody brought up a Muslim in North Nigeria, you know, who only comes to role-playing games later, and then he finds this game and it almost feels like a game that he can really get behind and really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, if 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 we were, if, if people were put off producing a game like that by the fear of being accused of cultural appropriation, then there'd be somebody there out there who'd, who'd never got a game like this that he enjoys as much as Remy does. Exactly. So, uh, uh, yeah, uh, I think you're right. We've got to have the courage of our convictions sometimes. Completely. And again, you know, so as you say, taking your 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 analogy, your line there a bit further, then if that hadn't have happened, then you know, you would have never have met Remy. We would never have had yeah. this conversation. It may well be, you know, someone that you keep in touch with on, you know, on all the social media and stuff. Uh, so who knows where it goes? And you know, I yeah, I don't get to meet many people from Nigeria. So you know, no. the, the more people I get to meet from Nigeria and have a uh, you know a good conversation with about something that we 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 mutually love, then bloody hell! I mean, if somebody wants to do something that's going to make that less likely, then they can go and sod off. As far as I'm concerned, yes, it makes us all a great global community, exactly. which is what we want to be. Precisely, actually, at the end of it, doing nice well, stuff. Some of us doing nice stuff. Some of us don't apparently stuff. want to be a global community, but uh, but. Mm. Most right-thinking people do. So fifty-one percent of sixty percent. There, we're getting back into politics. Uh, let's move on. Anyway, I think I might move to Sweden. Um, uh, let's get back anyway. to Coriolis. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, okay, from now on, I apologise. I won't. It's just a. Uh, it's just a bad moment, I guess, for Britain. Yeah, this. I this. Won't, uh, uh, I, won't, uh, I, won't, I won't soapbox or. Uh, Go on, Abbott. Anyway, yeah. I this is not a political podcast. It's not a political podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, let's. Uh, you have got a bit of news about the latest adventures of your crew in your Coriolis campaign. So let's hear about that. Yes. So we've had a, a bit of a hiatus with November being so busy. Um, but we finally got around to getting around the table last week and had a game, which was great. So if uh, if you remember... The end of the last scenario, they'd uh, agreed to 
assassinate, in effect, a Zalosian ambassador and the representatives he was trying to bring into the war from Sadal. And they brought them on board the Corsair, or the Valley Forge, as they're running it now, under under their third transponder. Um, and they murdered them uh, on board the ship. And that was <laughs> and that was where we left it. Um, they had a good sort of moral debate about, you know, there, there was one person in there who was a poet who was being used as a go-between. Uh, and Norsa had had become to had come to like him, and and uh, was suddenly having a bit of a, a moral uh, sort of quandary about whether they should kill him or not. In the end, they killed them all, but there was a, there was a good moral debate about it. So the next scenario took up exactly from that position, and the first thing they had to do was clean up the the mess and deal with the bodies. But Norsa being having still some misgivings and some sadness about what was going on, wanted to take the bodies to the chapel on board the ship and then bless them and give them the right burial rites uh, with some respect. What he didn't realise was that I had 17 darkness points. and <laughs> him, That's always a terrible situation. Him dragging the body through the ship and the ship having passengers on it was uh, a situation that was too good to pass up. So um, so they had two passengers on board the ship, which was a, a woman called Zena, who was a bride being taken to Sadal for her wedding, and and her chaperone, her guard effectively, called Jochim. And so they saw Norsa dragging this dead body through the ship. Um, well, obviously a bit perturbed by this. Jochim drew a weapon on them. Uh, Carter decided to try and disarm him and got shot through the chest. Had a critical role and survived, but with a with a hole in his lung, uh, it would have been fatal. Um, but I I wanted because we because we hadn't played for a while. I wanted to get the game going with a bit of a bit of a moment. So when this happened, I took the opportunity to go for a go for a critical wound um, because basically he got shot in the chest at point blank range, which is unlikely to be good for you. They managed to save him, put him in the med bay, um, and they managed to dis- uh, uh, defuse the situation by paying back the fee they'd been given uh, to these guys, because they obviously wanted to get off the ship at this point, and then paying paying them a couple of thousand per compensation for their trouble. So anyway, they got them off the ship and managed to managed to leave. They uh, <laughs> they gave the, the dead people the last rites, and then they dumped them out of the airlock, which doesn't sound quite so respectful at the end of it, but, you know, burial at sea, perhaps. Um, yeah. So they were then flying on, and they they had um, some cargo. And uh, one of the one of the cargo, uh, one, one one bits of the cargo they were carrying, were five portable stasis pods with five people in them in stasis, and they were to deliver these to a to a location. And they jumped through the first portal on their route to deliver these people, only to find that when they came out of stasis, one of the stasis pods, the temporary pods which were in the cargo bay, had been opened, and when they looked inside it they found that the occupant had obviously been moved for some reason had been pushed around and it had his throat cut and he was dead and this is a bit of a okay what's going on here this is all a bit weird and it turned out they soon found out they they searched the ship and found they had a couple of stowaways which were two children about 12 11 or 12 years old um who it turns out had obviously gone into the stasis pod because they realized they were going into stasis had killed the man in the pod. And they suddenly had these kids 
running around the innards of the ship through the Jeffrey's tubes, all the rest of it. They couldn't catch them um, and didn't know what to do with them. So they, they spent some time trying to work out what was going on. They they tried to persuade the kids to come out of uh, out of hiding. And it turned out the kids told them that the people in these stasis pods were members of a of an abusive group called the Black Brotherhood. And they were taking revenge for all their crimes and uh, terrible things that they'd done. And what they, what had ended up happening after that was they brought out one person at a time. Um, we'd added Roger to the group, uh, one of our players in our Star Trek game, and he'd rolled up a character and was playing Abdelakar. So if you remember, Abdelakar was somebody who had been working with mm. Resim Aldair before, and he was a non-player character who was on board the ship um, trying to uh, make sure that the crew didn't do anything that their patron would disapprove of. So he was an obvious character to, for, for Roger to roll up. So he rolled up Abdelikar, was playing that character. And he's got uh, excellent lie-detecting abilities. So then they basically asked each of these people in turn, were they members of the Black Brotherhood? Had they done unspeakable things to people? And when the lie detector proved that they were lying, when these people obviously denied it, they summarily executed them on the spot. Uh, so there's quite a long scenario about how they manage this, how they manage the children, what they do with all these people. Uh, that They then carried on uh, to deliver some of their other cargo, having jettisoned these people into space, having decided that they were going to be evil and didn't deserve, um, didn't deserve justice, rather, other than summary, summary justice. And um, that's where we ended. But they've now got two groups of people that they've... Uh, they're not going to deliver for one the um the 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 bride is obviously going to be late for her wedding now because they've had to delay that you know they've got to go and find uh, alternative means of transport and her fiance is a powerful person in sadal mm-hmm. and obviously these five people aren't going to deliver be delivered to where they were expected to to go um and that's the way we left it so building up more and more trouble for themselves as time as time goes on. And what's your how many uh, darkness points do you have? Ooh, I've got about now? I've got about fifteen left now. Yeah. And I did. I mean, they. There's a. I've. I've. So one thing as a GM, I've noticed. I've. I've not been as good lately in burning the darkness points as I had been earlier on in in, in the game. So I, I burned mm. five to put the children on the ship. Because they had they had twenty two at the end of the previous scenario, which brought it down to seventeen. I'm trying to burn them, uh, and again, but I'm trying to do it in interesting ways. But yeah, it's, uh, they've still got quite a quite a sump of of darkness points waiting for me to spend. Yeah, and as you know, that can be a terrible terrible situation to be in if you're a player it, with a GM with lots of darkness it points. It can be, and I've so there's an interesting thing. So I've been warning the players. That in building up this this reservoir of, of dark energy, something bad is going to happen at some point. Um, mm-hmm. Because at some point, I'm just going to have to spend a lot, and I don't want it just to, yeah. just to feel like oh, Dave's being a bit of a bit of a shit, and he's just making life difficult for <laughs> the hell of it. You mean 
like like you felt when I started spending all the yes exactly reinforcements okay yes yeah um, but also uh, a conversation we talk about Ricard on G plus we had a conversation um, about uh, it's about Dartney's points and and how you uh, how you manage some of that stuff and he made a really good point that for his games what he's been doing is when the players roll ones he's using those as an opportunity to spend darkness points. So when, a, right. so when a player rolls a one, as opposed to a six, they know, okay, something bad might be about, you know, this is an opportunity for something bad to happen. And I quite like, yeah. I quite like that. I haven't tried it yet, but I, I, like I quite idea. like it. Yeah. Because it, it, it takes away or it takes the edge off the, you know, the players feeling that the GM is just being a bit difficult. And, you know, mm. you've gone through all this time and effort. You're, you're inches away from the prize that you've been working towards f- for the whole scenario, for multiple scenarios. And then the GM goes, ha ha, darkness points. No, doesn't happen. <laughs> yes. And that's not, that, that runs the risk of not being great. I don't get the sense that the players, my players have felt that sense, but I've been quite careful not to feel or look arbitrary in my use of darkness points. Um, so actually, if they roll the dice and the dice rolls a one and the one tells me to spend a darkness point on something, I quite like that. So I might well try that the next time I get my players around the table to play Coriolis. It might be worth doing that. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm thinking we've got to be more... I, I, I'm trying to spend darkness points even on little little inconsequential things that are just feeling a bit spooky. Yeah. To try and try and a spend the darkness points so so that I'm not building up too big a stock, uh, but also just to, you know to add that little bit of strangeness and weirdness yeah. into the feeling. Well, I think um, my players have enjoyed my use of darkness points the most when they've been more narrative and a bit creepy and just setting the scene. And um, one example, particularly being when they had early on, they had a Zelosian prisoner that they put into an airlock that they were thinking about punting him out of the airlock and they ultimately decided not to to spare him and then i spent a darkness point to have the ship the cursed ship uh the possessed ship say nah don't want him on board Mm. and just open the airlock and punt him out and i think those kind of things really add to the game and it feels to me that my players have enjoyed those much more than when i've just used darkness points in a more traditional in a more traditional sense Mm. yeah yeah. Anyway, our hour-long episode is significantly longer than an hour it, now. So um, we're going to come back in the new year with the Grindbone Tournament and shortly after that, another episode. Uh, in between that, I might well put out episodes of uh, Coriolis, um, the Prison Planet adventure that we recorded in, in Norfolk. Yep. So look out for those uh, but I haven't even started editing that yet so no. that might not happen um, we've just put um, out the final episode of the tale of troubled spirits and we have again another scenario from uh, from granite hold which we recorded in Norfolk as well which I'll start working on edit- editing but I think we'll be getting the Coriolis one out probably before before we get this, the next yes. room ones going but you have that have that to look forward to in the new year in you know probably February I guess by the time we start broadcasting that one. So uh, so I think it's time to wish our listeners a merry merry Christmas. Christmas. Have a fabulous holiday and a happy new year. Happy new year. Or indeed whatever your winter festival is, uh, have a good one. Indeed. 
and may the and icons, may the icons bless, bless your your adventures. <laughs> adventures. We really ought to agree who's going to say that, shouldn't we? <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. You have been listening to The Coriolis Effect, presented by Fiction Suit with the RPG Gods, with music by Stars on a Black Sea, used with permission of Free League Publishing. Imagery from NASA and the Hubble Space Telescope, brought to you by Wikimedia Commons. Typeface is code by Fontfabrique.